0: Grief Nation listeners, welcome to the show today. I have a very special guest, very special guest. Um, He is a master teacher, and you're going to learn all about them the things that he's mastering. It's such an amazing opportunity to have uh, master teacher Leon R. Walker Jr. here with us. How are you, Leon?
1: I'm good, how you doing Miami? Thanks for having me.
0: You are welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. So we're gonna just jump right in. Um, So tell my listeners, uh, how would you describe becoming Leon?
1: Becoming Leon, it took a lot. Uh, Go back to my childhood, being a this very dysfunctional, abused and neglected little kid. Uh, It Wasn't anything against my parents. My parents were great people, lovely people, very strong. But based on my childhood, my past, uh, I wasn't given many options or choices. My life was taken from me at an early age. I was derailed, like a lot of young men and women into world, in this world today. And so I, I had a low self-esteem. I had a lack of confidence. I was dealing with my parents' divorce. I was dealing with suicide ideations and many other things. And so I became a lost child. I became very uh, disarray, unhappy, you know, uncomfortable and so i got tired of living that way and i had to make some decisions and so my parents both my parents dropped out in the eighth grade so college wasn't spoken about in my in my family but the military was and so i decided to join the military to look for structure to look for discipline even though my dad gave me that uh when they, my, my parents got divorced the, the structure and discipline was gone And so i had to start over i was a little kid on my own just like a lot of kids out here they are on their own so i had to find a way in life i had to find a way through life And I did that by persevering. I did that by studying myself. I did that by wanting more out of life. I did that by becoming stronger physically first and then mentally. And so the military gave me what I was looking for. And through the military, I learned a lot, I lost a lot. I became even more addicted to things that I shouldn't have been addicted to. I became a leader, I became a follower, I became many things. And so here here you are now, you have this man that's been through a lot, made some tough decisions, made some good decisions, bad decisions. And so I found myself in the military, and that's what helped me grow into Leon. And this is who, this is who you all were speaking to today.
0: Wow. That was a lot to unpack. Um, you are a respected Naval veteran for um, over 32 years of service. How did the military play such a huge role in your mental health journey?
1: So the military played a huge role in, in my mental health journey because... I myself have severe PTSD by way of an event, uh, a tragic event that I was a part of in 1987. When you get a chance, and to your listeners, look up the USS Stark. Um, When it happened in 87, they got hit by two missiles, May 17th, 1987. My team was selected to go on their ship and help fight the fires and recover bodies. Essentially, everyone in the Navy becomes a firefighter at one time from boot camp on on. And so you learn how to fight fires and you learn how to classify fires and you learn how to rescue people, and you learn CPR. And so I never thought that I would have to use that in that manner in which I did uh, in May of 1987. And so I was experiencing tragic events. I was experiencing death, uh, a ship that was sinking, a ship that was bombed by an Iraqi jet fighter. And so I had to push through I was afraid. I was very fear, fearful because I'm from the inner city. We're, we're normally not on ships, but in the military, you really have no choice if you choose a Navy. And so I learned 28 years after that event that I had severe PTSD and didn't even know it. So for 28 years, I was going through life, suppressing things, I was going through life with nightmares, cold sweats, uh, fear, and I was fighting through it. But it made me stronger, but it it, it it caused me to ruin relationships, friendships, my marriage. I was very, I became very abusive. I became mentally abusive, verbally abusive, and I, I became like stuck on myself. I became very independent. I became a recluse at times, and so my 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 uh, mental health awareness started when I saw my first psychiatrist in 1987. But after that point, most black men, the men that I've experienced, um, we we're taught that you know you don't cry, you suck it up, you know you keep things to yourself, you man up, you move on. So that's what I did. But I had PTSD but didn't even know it. But I was acting it out at my job, and my relationships and in my marriage. So it it caused me to learn more about PTSD, it caused me to learn about my mind and how the mind works. It caused me to study my own personality and my parents' personality and other people that I would come in contact with. So it's a lot to it, but that's where it started. Wow.
0: Now, l- just learning about all that, that you had, had experienced and what you've gone through, um, how can we best help service men and women um, during deployment? I wanted to ask that because I too have a, a child that's in the Navy, and so um, I remember him them actually being stuck out there um, when COVID initially happened. So, what are um, some ways or best ways that you can share with them while they're what? Are, what are some some I guess maybe self care tips or some things to you know for them during deployment?
1: So what happens is. We deployed, when I was deployed back in the 80s and 90s, we didn't have email until probably 1995, 96, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So we had to re- wait and rely on letters. Nowadays, you know, it's still good to send a letter, but people don't even use, they don't even write anymore because everything is email, text message. And we also had Telegram. So we would get messages through telegram, we would get messages through Red Cross, but it was always bad news. And so one way to help us out when we're out there is to constantly email you know text when we get in port we're, we're able to let you all know when we're in port we can text we have cell phones back then we didn't have cell phones we had to rely on us the, the the cell phones that the, the port that we were visiting they would bring cell phones to the ship so it would be 280 people on one ship but we are waiting to use six phones yeah. or we would go to local uso or go onto the pier and try to use a phone where it was very very expensive the uso gave us uh phone cards So another way to help out is to send care packages as often as you can. Most deployments are a minimum of six months. Some go to eight or nine months. So if you know your son's in the Navy, you know what your son likes to eat, send it to him, whether it's licorice, candy bars, you know, pictures. We need pictures of families. You know, some people send us Bibles. Some people buy books and send them to us, but constant communication. And I would tell this to not just women, but men too. If you if you're if your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, if you like had an argument before you left or you know, you're not on good terms when a person left, don't cut the relationship out or don't file for divorce while this person's on deployment. Because that's gonna make them lose their mind. Just imagine that we're in the Persian Gulf, it's 120 degrees, we're far from home, thousands of miles away from home, communication is is down, but you find a way to email your your spouse or your boyfriend girlfriend say hey you know what i I, i've been thinking about this and since you're gone had a lot of time to think and i just don't want to do this anymore don't that's one of the that's what caused people to think about suicide that's what caused people to actually commit suicide and that's that could be the onset of ptsd because and also the onset of anger issues so we're already detached from our family we're already gone we're already around 300 to probably five thousand unfamiliar people We're already around people we don't trust. Don't make it worse by giving us bad news. Sometimes you can't help like somebody dies or somebody has a baby. You want to deliver that, you know, type of news. You have to. So just try to keep the bad news that you can control to a minimum and wait till we come back and try to, you know, say, hey, this is what happened. but we fixed it, you know, but there's a way to communicate with us while we're out there. But just, you know, care packages, emails, text messages, uh, you know, pictures and things like that will really help out.
0: Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what are some best practice regarding mental wellness for the service men and women as they prepare to uh, for military discharge?
1: As they prepare for military discharge, some of the best practices are to start one year out. If you know you're gonna do, if you know you're gonna um separate from the military, start building your network up about a year out. Start working on your disabilities because we're we're supposed to um have a full body physical as we prepare to separate like six months out a lot of people do it too late but she the military has to pay us for the injuries that we incurred while we're in the military but start one year out with your networking get your resume together you can do it many ways indeed usa jobs um complete your college degree take more college courses work on another trade um Make sure you your finances are, are are in order. If you're paying child support, make sure you act, make sure you actually continue your child support. Don't drop it and stop it because you're getting out the military because you still uh, are are required to pay that. Uh, make sure your will is up to date in the military, out the military, and continuous. But the networking and, and working on a job career is very important because once we get out in the military, now we're getting two checks every month, guaranteed. Your first one out, you don't get a, a check if you retire. Your first one out, if you get out without retirement, you don't get any more checks, so you have to look for a job. But make um, make good friendships, networking with the companies that you may or may want to work with. Start talking to them, start visiting them. Make sure your resume is extremely solid. Make sure you have all your the course that you've attended in the military in your record. Make sure you show the people that you want to work for these things these extra skill sets that you have. So networking, your resume, job hunting, and finding a location that you want to live in. Most of us get out after four years. We don't want to go back to our, our our place of residence where we grew up at or where we joined the military at. So you may want to start looking at another state to, to live in, you know, things like that. It's very important. Yeah.
0: Now is there um is there any mental health um support that is given to um servicemen and women at that time of um you know leaving um service that they're in
1: yeah so Mm -hmm. not just when you not just when you're about to transition out but while we're in you have places like the va hospital You have places like fleet fam support center they have places that will sign you up if you have anger issues you can go to school for that or yeah take courses for that Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of places um Okay. People, your senior leaders that you work for may have some connections with other psychiatrists or psychotherapists. Don't be afraid to get your help while you're in. And don't be afraid to tell people, hey, this is how I'm feeling. You know, this is what's wrong with me. I don't know if I'm ready to get out. And if you're afraid to get out, let somebody know. That's why the senior leaders are in place for that. That's why the VA hospital is in place for that. That's why Fleet and Fam Support Center is in place for that. That's why people places like the USO, USO is for, you know, if you stop at the airport, you want to get some rest, get some food, but they also have people in place that you can talk to, they have brochures about PTSD, they have brochures about mental health. They have brochures about um, being physically fit. All that stuff, we have we have a continuous information that's given to us day in and day out in the military and how they have a transition class that you go to, it's called Transition GPS, go- Goals, Plans and separation. Make sure you attend that course twice before you get out. It's a week long. And so there's, they talk about mental health, they talk about PTSD, they talk about suicide prevention, they talk about, talk about sexual assault, they talk about um, child abuse, talk about, they show you how to get your resume done. You know, all those things are in place. We're very well taken care of in the military. And even when you're out like myself, I've been out for seven years, retired, I'm still being taken care of by, by the military.
0: Okay, well, that's good to know because um, a lot of times, I'm sure they attend these courses, classes, they know what's available to them, but they just don't. I I feel that some ex-military members that I know from in my family, maybe they just don't utilize the resources um, because you're saying that there are resources available. You just have to be um, available to accept those resources and use them, I'm I'm sure, right?
1: There are tons of resources. Even like I said, I've been retired for seven years. I just went to um, a meeting that they had for Veterans that have gotten out that need help with their repairs around the house, they may not have applied for their disability. They don't know what to do. They may need a hearing aid. They may need a prosthetic. They may yeah. need dental work. So there are people out here that are still saying, "Hey, we're, we're having a meeting this Friday at twelve o'clock. We're going to serve you lunch, and we're going to go over everything that you didn't get in the military." A lot of young men just get out and go. I'm tired of military. I'm tired of Navy. I'm just, and then they don't realize the benefits that they have you have benefits where you can have on um, if you if you have a handicap you can get a reduced fee on your when you renew your license you can possibly get uh, a, um a handicap parking spot okay you can get if you have 70% or more in, in Illinois you can get you can your taxes or property taxes go to zero you know so it states vary i would highly suggest that if you buy a a house and your disability is 70% or more in that state look up to see how much the property taxes are and in most cases property taxes are more than your mortgage in an area up here in illinois in great Lake, people pay eight thousand dollars a year for property tax but if you're a disabled veteran 70 percent or more you don't pay any property tax i think it's 70 percent or more you don't pay any property taxes so that shaves off maybe six seven eight hundred dollars off your mortgage so if your mortgage is sixteen hundred dollars and you're a disabled veteran with seventy percent or more Now your mortgage is probably $800 and you can still pay it off in 15 to 20 years.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for serving our country. I know that there was some difficult times, but I'm sure you had, um, it was also very rewarding, um, during your career of 32 years of service. Yeah. Um, so our tagline here on it's the Miami night show grief talk is I talk about things you think about. And so I ran across uh, some of your TikTok videos one day and I was like, oh my God, listen at this master teacher on this topic about narcissism. And so if you could, why um, did, why does it feel so important to you to expose what narcissistic behavior patterns
1: are? So it's, it's important to me because they say that 70% of men Uh, have been diagnosed with narcissism and 30% of women. They say black men are on the leading edge of narcissism being diagnosed. It's important for many reasons. Most reasons, one of the top reasons and and in no particular order, they say that narcissists don't know that they're narcissists. They act the way that they act, right? They lack empathy. All those things are really true. Um, And I believe that they also lack sympathy. What I also believe now, today, is looking at the way these young men and women are, being raised, looking at how society prevents us from teaching them or training them or uh, disciplining them the old school way, our hands are tied. So a lot of these young men and women have a lack of empathy. They'll tell you, I don't care. They're only concerned about themselves. They're very self-centered. Those are narcissistic traits within itself, okay? They don't know how to love. They don't care about love, which I was the same way. Those are narcissistic traits. You know, it's all about them. The grandiose type of mindset, that's a narcissistic trait. They could be very seductive. They could be very, very manipulative. And those are narcissistic traits. Okay? Um, and so I think that most people are unaware of it because they are—they have failed to get diagnosed even though they know that there's just something wrong with them. I knew there was something wrong with me when I was a child. I knew there was something wrong with me when I turned 17, 18. 19 2021 20, i always knew there was something wrong with me because i could not ever tell a woman i could say i love you but i didn't it, it, it didn't i didn't feel anything it's like drinking water you know i didn't i didn't feel anything i didn't i didn't crave love because of my childhood and so a lot of young people even nowadays with me yes i was abused and neglected but these kids nowadays um push things to the side they don't they don't express themselves they suppress everything they don't talk about their hurt, their pain. They're easily medicated. They want to go pop a pill, whether it's a Percocet or whatever it is. They want to take their pills from a- for ADD and ADHD. And these kids are being diagnosed just like that without even like saying, well, let me try to work on this. Let me let me go through therapy first. These kids and these kids are going into therapy and then they're bragging about it. And don't be surprised if five to 10 years from now you have people saying, yeah, I'm a narcissist. Hell yeah, I, I'm, I like it. It's going to come because. It's like a trending thing that right now. When I started talking about it last year, I didn't even realize it was trending. I was talking to a lady, and she know she knew that I was a narcissist. So, why don't you start talking about it? And I did. And so, it's very important for me to educate people on ghosting, the silent treatment, breadcrumbing, shunning, things like that, because women are dealing with it, and men, and they like, what the hell is this? I don't know what this, what's going on. You know, he don't he's quiet. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't hold my hand. He doesn't cuddle. He doesn't kiss me. You know, he, he always wants me to do everything for him, does do anything for me, you know, and he's, he goes to work and he's happy and he comes home and he's unhappy. So at work, I was like this, the man. When I came home, I wasn't the man. I was a little boy because of my infidelity. So I was being treated like a kid, but I had to take that. I had to eat that. And so I knew that, but then I go to work and then I became verbally abusive to my sailors, mentally abusive to my kids. <laughs> and so I took on a lot of traits to my mother and father and I didn't realize it until I went into therapy and she made first thing that a narcissist will get in therapy is awareness this is what you're doing Leon this is why you act the way that you're acting this is why you say what you say this is why you feel the way that you feel this is why you can't feel this this is why you can't feel that so it's crucial that you go into therapy being open and honest so they can diagnose you and break up all of those things and 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 unearth everything and, and, and get to the center of it all so it's very important that people start talking about this more and create awareness and clarity for people that are, being, that are dealing with somebody like me because they don't know what's going on. Even a narcissistic person doesn't know, but they do know because it, it's a, it's a, and I tell people this, it's a good feeling to be, to have people cater to you. It's a good feeling to have a bunch of women. It's wrong, but it's, that's why it's hard to stop. Why would I stop doing these things or accepting these things because it feels good? There doesn't, there's nothing wrong with me. That's the first thing out of my mouth. I'm successful, I'm ranked number one everywhere I go, I'm sailor year everywhere I go, I'm recruiter year everywhere I go, I'm getting promoted, I'm getting awarded, I'm getting rewarded. How could there possibly be anything wrong with that? Well, Leon, the way you did it, this is what you did, this is why you did it, this is what you did, this is why, you, on and on and on. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it again. Because if I do this again, I'm getting get promoted again. If I get promoted again, I'm gonna lead more people. If I lead more people, I get promoted again. I make more money, if I make more money, I could buy a bigger car, a bigger a bigger house. So it was all that initial and the internal emotions that I had and those good feelings that I had that I wanted and I lived with it. And so I was narcissistic. People go through life like that, destroying relationships, destroying um, marriages, destroying families. And it's like, oh, it's not me. I'm not the problem. I'm providing everything. I'm protected. I'm doing everything. Nobody's done anything for me. I'm doing it all. It's all about me, 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 me. And I didn't realize that until I went to therapy. Wow. So a lot of black men think that therapy is taboo. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of white men that, that'll proudly go through therapy and talk about it. Hey, Leon, what you doing today? I'm, I'm going go home and cook some ribs. What you doing? Well, I'm going go to therapy for two hours and I'm going to go take your wife out. I'm like, what? Nah, man, I ain't going there. There's nothing wrong with me. Well, you might want to think about it, buddy. You, know you know how many times men told me that? Wow. You might want to think about it, man, because I don't know. There's something going on with you, my man. Hmm. Man, get the hell out of here. I don't want to hear that. Boom. Yeah.
0: I, when I started... Um researching and diving more into the um, this personality disorder. Um, of course there's the scale of mental disorder And so there's these three clusters there's a, B and C and that's where this personality disorder fell up under. and I just wanted to read a little bit about what what it what it shared about this cluster B um, mm-hmm. And the cluster B for a narcissistic personality disorder was feeling superior special or special. Yeah lack of empathy like you said yep. need for ad- admiration big time exploiting others yeah sensitive to rejection
1: oh my god How do you That's, feel about
0: those
1: That sensitive to rejection was something that burned my those are all true of course um and they have stitched it's the DSM-5 has changed a lot but yeah. yeah sensitive to rejection is huge because it's like and I was just telling a young lady this the other day I was like you know I there were a lot of things that women said to me and I've been rejected before. But you know what narcissistic people do, at least in my mind, I had to tell myself she rejected me because I was too much for her, which in all reality, I wouldn't say this back then, but now I wasn't enough for her. Yeah, yeah. But I could never tell myself, ah, I was too much, uh, I wasn't enough for her. I was always too much. You know, I was—I had too much. She couldn't handle me. You know, I knew too much. She, was, she wasn't ready for me. It was all about preserving myself and dealing with the rejection. And so I would block that out forever. And somebody could come back and ask me five years from now or 10 years from when I was rejected, Leon, you remember this? And I'd be like, nah, it didn't go down that way. We can argue, even if it's 10, 15 years old, nah, I didn't go down that way. But now with my therapy and clarity and awareness and implementing what I learned in therapy, I could say, yeah, you know, you were right. But I'm still, I still have a personality story so I can go back right to him like, nah, you wasn't right. I don't even want to hear that. It's been ten years, but guess what? It's still the same. I see that you ain't doing good. I blah 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 blah. You know, yeah. And so, with me, I I cherish the moments that I have now uh, because life is not short. We make it short, and I want to extend my life by bettering my mental health, by bettering my relationships, by being v- vulnerable and transparent. This is the hard part, Miami. Being vulnerable and transparent is extremely hard for me. The like that the ghost go gaslighting the bread crumbing, the silent treatment, all that was very easy for me. And it was really fun. As sick as that may sounds, people need to know that those things that narcissistic people do, it's fun. I even laughed at the things that I did to women, but guess what? My karma came and when it came, it came hard and heavy and it was like all at once. And sometimes a little bit at a time. So I owe society what I'm doing now. I owe this to the women that I hurt. I owe this to the young men that I verbally abused coming up. And so this is my job. This is my duty. And this is my journey. And I have to embrace it. I was afraid to embrace it. I didn't plan to talk about this. God sent a woman to me to talk about it. And I talked about it. And now I talk about it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I love it because you have gone viral on social media with these truthful pain point topics. Like you talked about the emotional detachment, easy to re- disregard, the silent treatment, avoidance, poor excuses, and... Other things, like you said, ghosting phase um, or broken. Narcissistic in the now will drain you that one. was oh, yeah. Fun. And um, why impasse suffer? And when I came across that one, I was like, OK, I have to talk to him. Um, right. So talk about the healing journey from others like your followers or fans. Um, what are they saying or sharing um, with you um, as you do this public plea to help educate us?
1: You know, you know, what's really to me Miami and what's strange and crazy is that this is why narcissism was such a like a a secret people couldn't put their hands on except psychiatrists and psychotherapists psychologists yeah when I talk about ghosting and when I talk about the biggest one I think was why a narcissistic person doesn't want to give you closure or why was it so easy for me to just walk away Women are like, Leon, I've been looking for that answer for 25 years. And I can hear it in their text, in their response to my video, that they're very passionate. And they might even be crying when they say, Leon, I've been waiting on this answer for 25 years. Because a man is not going to give you these certain answers because he doesn't want closure. He wants to be able to always come back. I always say Leon because I'm not putting men out there. I'm not throwing women under the bus. I'm not calling people out. Leon wants to always be able to come back, always. So leave the door a little bit open because I can discard you, but like we mentioned earlier, rejection, I don't like rejection. I can't handle rejection. I can't come back from rejection. That's why we go to the next person, the next supply, to fulfill that void of rejection. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, has to be, it has to be instant. Yeah. I can get rejected right now at 2 o'clock, By 3 o'clock, I'm with somebody else, looking for somebody else or asking for somebody else, or getting somebody else to stroke my ego, and make me feel better about what you just did to me. And then I block it out. I use an excuse. Well, I was too much for her. She didn't know enough. She was intimidated by me. So the rejection hurts, but it only lasts for maybe a couple of minutes. and Then I'm gone. You know, does
0: that fall over into the silent treatment after you've been rejected and now you're giving the person the silent treatment? Is that how that happens or
1: if they're happens? still around? But they're going to get the silent treatment because she got away. But they, but I'm going to also Hoover. OK, so there's are steps that is narcissist. and sometimes I'll go through them. OK, let's go through them. So start with rejection. And it's, this is no, it's, they don't have to be in a particular order. You rejected me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, uh, now I have to fulfill my own needs. I have to show my own ego to to heal my own wounds. I don't call them wounds. Now I'm replacing with, uh, you didn't reject me. You couldn't handle me. So bet it's all good. I'm out. Now I'm gonna sit back. Now I become vindictive, okay? And when I become vindictive, I become manipulative, all right? When I become manipulative, I start to hoover. When I start to hoover, I'm watching what you do. I have other friends, they call flying monkeys to let me know what you're doing, where you're going, how you're doing, new job, lost your job, car accident, health declining. I'm looking at all these things and wondering what you're doing, how you, I don't wanna hear that you're doing good. I don't wanna hear that you got another man to move on. I just wanna hear certain things to let me know that I need to reach out, send you a text message. I wanna make sure you're vulnerable. I want to make sure you're hurting if you're crying i want to know even though you 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 rejected me you're still a good person you're still an empath so you're going to accept me regardless if you know i'm a narcissistic person or not regardless if if i was a butthole to you or not you're still going to you're an empath so you can't push people away i'm the narcissistic person i can push people away all day long doesn't mean anything to me you can't you push me away to save your heart to save your soul to save your spirit you push me away because god gave you the strength to do that but You're not gonna close the door totally because you still hurt on the inside because you love Leon. But Leon was just kind of like messed up and wasn't, uh, my life course wasn't in sync with yours. And you feel that. So I know this, you know, narcissistic people, I'm not gonna say we're intelligent, but we know, I know about personalities. I know about um, relationships I know all of those things. So we study those things in an effort to come back and get you and destroy you again. Now we win. I tell people, narcissistic people don't like to lose narcissistic people have to discard you first hurt you first because that gives me a permanent lifelong trophy of you whether it's visual or emotional i know i hurt you i know i derailed you i know right now you can't even date any any other man because of me Mm -hmm. and that was my goal and so i know going back to you and checking on you the hoovering I'm going to see how you're doing. And then guess what? You're going to say, hey, Leon, I appreciate the phone call. And then the moment you start talking to me over a few seconds to one minute to five minutes to 10 minutes. And if we're, if you FaceTime me, it's the worst thing you can do because I can see your emotions. Yeah. And if you keep talking to me and I try to get off the phone, wait, hold on, Leon, it's been a while. So you're screwing up right there. Now I'm back. Now I start to put the press on. Mm-hmm. And so that's the hoovering to figure out what you are, what you're doing, where you're going. Are you doing good? Are you doing bad? Are you doing okay? You know? and then you have like the gaslighting so we can go back and talk about the old things that we used to do that you uh, accused me of that i didn't do and now i'm trying to get you to feel sorry for you now you start to let your guard down right so i'm hoovering and gaslighting and then i'll start i'm being very manipulative very vindictive and this is all this all goes into each other they all run concurrent you know and then i'll start to starve you again give you the give you the silent treatment because i know you're hurting i know you're vulnerable i called you today and i wait two three days i call you again, your answer now you're slowly coming back into my little web and now i'm just going to get worse because i always remember that you rejected me and i didn't like that
0: whoa that is a lot that is a lot so grief nation listeners i hope that you are paying attention to this um, type of personality disorder that really affects the other person who needs some type of recovery method from um, being in spaces and places and loving um, people that have this disorder. So what would you recommend for a woman or male who either are, is on the receiving end uh, or being the victim of this? What would you say are some ways that they can recover over time from this?
1: Ways that you can recover over time from, I call it a Liam, The ways you can recover from a Leon is to realize that you were too much for Leon, you were too good, Leon wasn't ready for you, although I'll never say that. I say it now, but I wouldn't say it back then. You have to realize that you did the best that you can do for somebody that's damaged, hurt, and broken. You did the best that you can do for somebody that doesn't have therapy. You did the best that you can do for somebody that's dealing with issues and trauma from possibly 100 years of trauma passed on from grandfather grandmother, father, mother, hundreds of years. There's nothing you can do about that. If that person hasn't gotten help, doesn't think that there's anything wrong with them, doesn't want to get help, feel that they're fine. You can't do anything, you can't fix that person, they have to fix themselves. And that's when a lot of empaths find themselves being hurt and discarded because they try so hard, they want to hold on so long, they want to repair me, they want to rehabilitate me. You can't do it if I don't think there's anything wrong with me and I haven't gone through therapy. If I've gone through therapy, I have to implement and mean it and do what I learned in therapy. I have, to, I have to have that awareness and that clarity. If I don't have those things, you can't do anything about that. You wind up doing more damage to yourself trying to help me and you start hurting yourself more than you can help me because you just can't give up. You can't give in and it feels like you're failing in a project that your teacher gave you. I am your project, but if I'm not a project that wants to be handed in for a grade, it's not going to work. I'm only, I'm going to be happy all the time because you're going to pay into me. I'll give you just a little bit to keep you around. i breadcrumb you to keep you around. I'll breadcrumb to make you happy. I'll breadcrumb to make you think we're going to be together. And you just take it and you take it and you take it. Enough is enough. So people like all the empaths or just good wholesome women and men out there that are dealing with, dealing with the Leon realize that Leon has issues that are unresolved. And Leon doesn't think that he has unresolved issues. I'd never admit to that. And when women admitted to me, said, Leon, there's something wrong with you, dysfunctional. I get angry, I become vindictive, I become very manipulative, and it starts over again. As long as you stay with me, I am not going to change. But you'll change for the worse. Your health will start declining, your skin will change, your eyes will change, your menstrual cycle will change. You, you don't want to get up and go to work, you're not feeling loved, you're not feeling cared for, it because I'm not doing those things. You're not as loving and caring to your kids, to your family, all because of a Leon.
0: And so how did you begin to unpack this? I know you said you went to therapy, but what were some of the conversations um, that you needed to have in therapy to help you get here, get to where you are now? Because remember you all, this is who Leon used to be, but he's sharing um, this gift really, which is a gift of exposing these types of behaviors so that you can learn from them. So what were some of those things that you had to unpack and to be where you are now?
1: So when I walked in, so- my first therapist, psycho, psycho, psychiatrist was in 1987 when I was 21. We went there to decompress about the event that happened on the USS Star. I uh, went in there and we didn't even talk about the event. We talked about my childhood and my... Then he went on into the personality disorder. I'm like, I'm 21 years old. You telling me I'm crazy? That's what I thought. And prior to that, before I came into Navy, my friends, my family, my mother's friends all said my mother was crazy. And so for me to sit in front of a white man and tell me you have personality disorders, now I'm thinking, hey, my mother gave me a crazy brain, right? And as much as I love the Navy, I decided to get out after four years. I went back in after 72 days, but I decided to go back in with the crazy brain and they didn't find out anything until later on. I went into, I went another 28 years before I was, before I saw my first psych, psychotherapist. I didn't even know what a psychotherapist is. And as I read through my medical record just recently, I went in her office and I don't even remember why I went. I was sent there, I don't know who sent me, okay? But I was sent to see a psychotherapist specifically at the VA hospital. I had no clue who a psycho or what a psychotherapist was. And so I sat in her office for 18 minutes and I walked out. And they, every time you go in there and speaks to one of them, they type, as you come in, how you looking, how you sound, what you smell like. I came in there smelling like cigarettes and alcohol. I don't even remember that. I went back. That was August of 2014. I went. I was sent back again in December 2014 to see a psychiatrist. And I came in there smelling like coffee, cigarettes, and something else. wasn't anything drugs, probably alcohol. And so I sat in her office for 50 minutes, and she wrote down he came in here uh, angry, agitated. He doesn't take therapy seriously. And I'm reading all this stuff. I don't remember these things, Miami. I have. I don't. But it's in my record. And so i left her office after 50 minutes and i went back in january 2015 and i said you know what let me sit down but the key thing here with why i was able to sit through therapy stay in there open myself up be vulnerable and transparent that was the first time i was ever vulnerable and transparent was in 2015 It's because the way she received me it was a little bitty white lady She was like 4'11". She probably weighed 100 pounds. And I'll never forget her. She had them all black, was scared the hell out of me when I went in there. Mm -hmm. And she was small. It scared me because she was tough. Like, I'm like 5'9", 225, right? Solid dude. I go in and this lady's like, okay, you need to have a seat and get that straw out of your mouth. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Cause I always walked into therapy with a Starbucks straw or a toothpick or a regular straw in my mouth and I, She taught me about that. I was diagnosed with oral fixation while I was in there with her. I had oral fixation because I was molested by my cousins and they kissed my mouth, they sucked in my mouth when I was missing a tooth, I was five years old. And I never forgot that, but I never talked about it. And so she started educating me. So I had somebody finally listen to Leon, this big, bad, angry, dysfunctional, dangerous master chief Somebody finally allowed me to sit down and open up and she told me, said, you don't have to be big and bad coming in here, young man. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Now, cause when I walked in, I'm like, rah, rah, rah. She's like, uh-uh, we're not having that today. Nobody ever said that to me. Mm-hmm. Here I am a senior leader, nigga. Who's gonna say that to me? No one. I made Master Chief in 06. I retired in 2015. So for nine years, I'm walking around as big, bad dude. Nobody's saying anything to me and I was highly dysfunctional. I was a functioning dysfunctional for the, from all, all my career, but at that point, a senior leader, nobody said anything. Nobody said, hey man, Leon, you know, you need to think about this, man, because the way you're talking to these people, the way you're doing this, you know, you out here, blah, 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 blah. And so it all started becoming, it, uh, we all started, we started unpacking it when she received me and it was her delivery. I wasn't even that open with my wife. I was married for 12 years, she never knew. Imagine that living with a narcissist and you don't even know for 12 years, but she knew something was wrong with the way I was acting. Mm-hmm. It was only obvious, Miami. And a little bitty white lady helped me out. Yeah. Those other psych- psychotherapists made me upset as soon as I walked in there, they, they couldn't receive me. So she was good at that. And so her delivery and it just boom, 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 boom. Started talking about my mom and my mother. My sister thinks my mother was a narcissist. My sister is a social worker. My mother was never diagnosed. But I guarantee you, if she had been set with a psychiatrist or psychotherapist, she'd have been diagnosed as a narcissist. I guarantee you that. Thinking back on it now, my mother was very beautiful, very loving, very smart, very strong woman, but she was a narcissist.
0: Well, yeah, I I noticed in um, some of your TikToks, you did mention, some of the things that happened with your mother and um, you learning how to, you know, accept her for who she was. You wanna talk about that um, some about your mother, your relationship with your mother?
1: Yeah, so it all happened in therapy. My mother started, so my sister told me recently, and I know she learned this in her studies to be a social worker, that a doting mother. She said, mommy doted on you. She just told me this a couple of months ago. My mother died in 2012. And I said, what? So I looked it up. Just like people looking up narcissism and they're like, whoa, wow, what the hell? What? Ooh, wow, wow. I looked up a doting mother and I was like, wow, whoa, wow, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got away with everything. My mother served me, my sister, my brother, but up until the sixth grade, when my parents got divorced and lost our house, after that, it was nothing. My mother wasn't serving me anymore. All I knew was what she did for me from kindergarten, from birth to 11 years old. After that, I had mixed emotions because I was being molested or molested by my cousins. I was molested by my babysitter. I lost my virginity at eight. My brother started showing me porn at seven. My uncle, my mother's brother was touching me between ages 10 and 12, and he was also bullying me. So I had a lot of anger going on. I'm like, who could I trust? I don't trust anybody. You know, my parents getting divorced. My father's an alcoholic. My father beats my mother. My brother beat me up, me and my sister fighting. Where am I going in life? Nowhere, but to hell. So that's when I had my suicide ideations. You know, I wanted to hang myself and I wanted to shoot myself. I had the equipment to do so as well. And so my mother, I started learning more about my mother after she passed away because of my therapist. I was angry with my mother. She started smoking crack in 1985. She didn't stop until 2011. When she got sick and a drug dealer dropped her off at the hospital and left. That crushed me. And my therapist said, Leon, don't be mad at your mother. Be mad at the drug. It's the drug. You were dealing, you weren't dealing with your mother. You're dealing with a lady that was on crack. You were dealing with a mother, a lady that had issues with her with her mental state mindset. And it was the substance. It's not your mother. And that's when it hit me hard. I started crying. Because I should have been mad at the drug and the drug dealer. I I used to wish death on drug dealers, specifically one that was selling my mother the crack cocaine. You know? And so I learned more. I got my mother's ashes to this day. My mother died in 2012. My sister sent me her ashes. And she said, spread them out. Now, for some reason, I couldn't do it. I'm glad I never did that. I have my mother here with me today. And she will be with me every day. That's my strength. Okay? That's my, my guidance. She's my advisor. She's my confidant. And so through therapy, the little white lady made me think differently about my mother. And I appreciate her that because of that. But prior to that, I was angry and mad at my mother. Not anymore. We praise God
0: for her. We praise God for you going to therapy and being consistent in it. And we just thank thank God for the forgiveness that you were able to have um, for your mother. Now... Since we're also talking about your mother and it's, you know, Father's Day is coming up soon. Um, You wanna share anything about your relationship with your father?
1: Yeah, so my father, with me blaming my mother for everything, I would delve into the love and respect I have for my dad. And so I didn't have respect for my mom, but that was a mistake, a huge mistake. My parents got divorced when I was 11 or 12 and I never knew, I knew why my mother Mental abuse. I read that. I read it for many years and I looked at my dad like, man, mentally abusive. I didn't see it. I didn't, and I saw it. I didn't see it and I saw it. Um, but my dad, he rescued my sister and I. And that was another reason why I was upset with my mother because at age 12, I came home. My mother had moved, um, we lost a house. And so my mother went to live in a hotel with my brother for a year and sent me to live with a lady I didn't know. So that was a discard phase for me, okay? So I figured my mother discarded me, doesn't love me. I'm not gonna let another woman discard me and I'm not gonna love another one. I'm gonna be discarded. Back then when I was 12, I called it pushing pushing women out of my life. I was afraid to love, I wasn't gonna love. And I stuck with that. That became part of my narcissistic personality disorder. And so my dad, once my mother moved us, got us back together when I was 12, I went to sleep on the floor again because I peed in the bed from kindergarten to seventh grade. So my mother and father put me from the bed to the floor, floor to the bed, bed to the floor, and I laid on that carpet for probably two years. Moved back with my mother, and here I am again back on the floor in a one-bedroom apartment apartment with four people. My mother came, we came home one day from school. She said, hey, you guys got court tomorrow. I'm like, court? Imagine that. 13 years old being told you gotta go to court. For what? um custody they you need to know if, what you guys will stay with me or your dad and i'm like okay my father comes to pick us up we go to court boom that was the last time i stepped foot in my mother's house she didn't show up for court and she knew she wasn't coming so again we lost our house i'm, I'm being sent, sent to live with a lady i don't know that's the first discard the second discard is not showing up for court
0: and so okay. Your father, so, so, so that at this time, your father was more of the hero out of you know all that you were you were experiencing. I'm sure, right? So, from
1: age 13 to 47, my dad was my hero. I say 47 because that's when therapy started, and I found out that my mom was also my hero. Yeah. And so, yeah, my dad saved my sister and I. I was able to go to the school that I wanted to go to. My sister got taken out of that school and sent to a school, Cleveland Public School, which wasn't good for her. And so she started smoking cigarettes and weed. I wasn't doing that. I was playing sports. I was in a good high school. So we became even more dysfunctional. But my dad kept us straight because he had discipline, but he worked the third shift. So when he worked the third shift, now here I am with my my sexual addictions. I'm 15 years old now, working for a grown lady that had a, after I was showing up the street, and I'm seeing all these older men, old women, snort cocaine. I'm seeing prostitution. At 15, I bought my first prostitute because I worked for a lady that paid me that had prostitutes. So my dad was my hero. He was structured. He had discipline, but he's working a third shift. So I was all over the place. At 15, it was on and popping. And so, yeah, he became my hero. um, Got me my first bed after the sixth grade, after sleeping on the floor for two years with my mom. He became a hero, and that's all I saw. My father knew about my military career. Kept in touch. My mom didn't know about my military. She knew where, that I was in the military, but I never heard from my mom. I got one letter from my mother in 32 years. And I was okay with it because she wasn't my hero until I went through therapy. And realized that, you know, from in therapy, you go back and you unearth everything. From 1979 to 1982, my mother lost six people. That's one person every six months. She had no choice but to start getting high, to master pain. I didn't put that together until I talked to the little bitty white lady. Wow.
0: Now, after you start uncovering all of these things, you, you know, you gave, forgave your mom, forgave your father for whatever reasons. Um, and now you're in this space to be able to share with everybody about you know the traumas that you've had. What are you doing now to to make sure that you don't fall back into the old Leon? And you know, after discovering and uncovering all of this childhood trauma,
1: so as a narcissist, you can care less what people think about you. You want people to look at you in a certain light, as long as you're successful, that grandiose type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um. But now I have to hold myself accountable with being honest, being truthful, being transparent, being open, being real. And I care about what people say, how people feel, how I make people feel. That's important to me now, because years ago before therapy, I was running through people, running through women, running over women. I didn't care what they thought, how they felt. You know, I didn't care that I, if I broke her heart, I cheated on her. I also hurt her mother and father and brother and sister too. There's second, third, and fourth order of effects that happens when you hurt somebody. I never thought about that. I could care less. You shouldn't have said this. You shouldn't have did that. Whatever. Um, Now, I had to expose expose myself and there are a lot of people either watching my video, wondering, thinking, looking at me and so I have to have something in place that holds me accountable and that's you all. I can hold myself accountable, but I like doing it in the masses it's unfair to say all right i'm diagnosed i'm implementing what i learned i have clarity i have awareness let me get married and go away in the sunset and die and go to heaven with my wife whatever that's not enough just because you're diagnosed and you're not doing those things anymore and you're getting a little better no god told me it's time for me to start helping people all right but i don't know what to do and the lady said post a video and guess what I said, "Okay, cool. Post a video, sit back. Uh Uh-oh. Now people want to know. I got to respond. Leon, why did you do this? Leon, you're creepy. You make my skin crawl. I hate you. You remind me of my husband. Leon, you scare me. Boom, 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 boom. This is every day of the week, as long as I post a video. And it beat me down. But guess what? That's part of my karma, brother because how many women did you beat down? I don't like you, you can lead, who cares? I like your sister, you ain't nothing. You can't have children. Your body's like blah, 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 blah. Everything's coming back to Leon now. I wasn't ready for that, Miami, I, whoa. It's like, okay, do a video, good job, Leon. Way, hey, man, that was good, it helped people. All right, Leon, what about this? You sucked as a husband. You remind me of my ex-husband, you did the same thing. Leon, you wasn't a good father. Blah, 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 blah. I wasn't ready to hear that. And narcissistic people don't like to hear put downs or rejection. So I had to stand up, not stronger or prouder. I had to face everything that put out there 30 years ago. It's coming back now. So in November last year, I stopped. I said, I can't, Ooh, I can't take this. I did. I turned into a little punk. Ooh, this hurts. But then God said, how many people did you hurt? You had three text messages women saying you know you make their skin crawl you suck you need to stop doing this but you also had a wife that you cheated on you also had children that you yelled at you also had hundreds of sailors that you yelled at too leon but those three emails broke you down get back up and do it again and so the month of November last year i took a break and people are like, where you been, man? We and I started in December all over again. I started growing strong ever since. I gotta face what I put out there. It ain't over no for me. Yeah. I thought because I went through therapy, I'm healed, I'm good, I'm good, I'm doing the right thing. Oh no, it's there's homework, buddy. Yeah. There's homework. And in therapy, I had plenty of therapy, plenty of homework. And this is more homework yeah. for me, and this is continued therapy. My medical record says therapy dash indefinite. And I saw that. I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah this is why I'm doing what I'm doing.
0: Well, I appreciate you being so vulnerable. So honest about, um, your past, your, you know, coming into your present, who you are, still having that attachment, um, Of all of these things that you have experienced but yet still able to share the story just authentic as you can, and being just as honest and uh, we need honesty that's the that's a that's a part of you know the, the black traditional. language that we don't talk you know we don't we don't share we don't we're not we're not supposed to anyway um but we need to get out of that and slowly surely it's you know we're talking more about therapy we're talking we're sharing more about about uh, we're sharing more about our thoughts feelings and emotions and it's good to see a man come forward um and just share. Yes, I was this way, but I there is ways for healing from all of this. Um, I, yeah. As I kept listening to everything that you experienced, why wouldn't you have been the person you were? I mean, with everything you experienced, that's um, I, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm, please excuse me if I offend anybody, but why wouldn't you have turned out that way? Um, right, like everything you experienced, and right. I mean that there was a lot of trauma that you experienced, and I can only imagine from the childhood trauma and then the trauma that you saw in the military.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that's why of- I, s- I tell people narcissistic people are created by being a product of your environment, yeah. Bullied, mm-hmm. being raped, being molested, being discarded—I did all of that, mm-hmm. right? And there's so three- you were just a reflection of, of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so you you create this, I create this person mm-hmm. that I'm not gonna go through this anymore. This is where I'm going to be, and it started feeling good. Yeah, I was feeling bad, feeling horrible, being rejected, mm-hmm. rejecting, making other people feel bad, feel horrible, and that felt good to me, as sick as that may sound. That's what it was you're right so that's but i can you know.
0: understand it because it's almost like you're trying to build up this wall so you won't be rejected again so you won't be hurt again so that you you know no one else can molest you no one else can cause all this pain to you so you put this wall up pretending that you're okay but under underneath the surface like there's the the um the iceberg syndrome you know you mm. look good on top of the water right. but underneath the water is is where all of this trauma and everything is stored and encapsulated until you're really to start the forgiving process and move forward so I'm gonna say a couple of titles of your book and you just explain um these things because this is further therapy for you and for others that you have um put out there because you're a multi-author and so I'm gonna break down these titles broken
1: broken I wrote that book I started writing it you know Miami I wrote that book in 59 days I started writing June 6th and I think I got done August 11th but I had written five books in that period of time because I was unloading after therapy. And so I had a 1,000 pages, so I broke it down to what you see now is one book broken. It starts from age five to 17. It talks about my addiction to porn. Uh, it, It also talks about my grandmother and mother's very toxic relationship. The men in my family were put on a pedestal. And so I expected that from women. I expect women to fight each other and fight over me. How sick is that? That's what I saw. And so, broken goals from age five to 11 talk about losing our house, the eviction, the addiction to porn, the being uh, molested, being bullied, and making a decision to join the military. Uh, love Ship it talks about the love languages. It breaks down that. It talks about um, climbing in love instead of falling in love. It talks about the components of a relationship, which nobody talks about. It talks about relationship vows instead of marriage vows, which nobody talks about. Yeah. Love Ship has a lot of stuff, everything in there. I also wrote a book called Keeping Kids Safe from Porn. It's a 43 page ebook. And it's a 43 page ebook that breaks down the training, how to train parents to know when their kid is addicted to porn. My parents never knew. They died without knowing that I had a deep porn addiction. Um, My next book comes out, we're trying to get out in August timeframe. It's called The Seven Loveless Traits. So everybody reads about this book called The Five Love Languages but never nobody talks about the loveless languages. I do.
0: And what, okay. Can you go through
1: those for us? Yeah. So just say, let's pick three, right? Okay. One love language is acts of service. Okay. Narcissistic Libra Leon is going to provide acts of disservice. a loveless language, right? Another love language is called communication. Narcissistic Libra Leon is gonna have bad communication, no communication. Sexually, I was non-verbal in the bedroom because when I was molested and my uncles touched me, they used to always tell me to be quiet. That carried through into my adulthood. And women used to ask, Leon, are you okay? Did you enjoy it? I couldn't say nothing. I talked about that in therapy. It came out. Um, another love language is physical touch. I'm only going to, t- as a loveless language, I'm only going to touch what I like. I don't care that you need your shoulders rubbed. I don't care that you haven't had your forehead kissed in years. I don't care if if, if you don't you want to cuddle. I don't like to cuddle. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cuddler. I don't hold hands. I don't hug. I do it now, oh but those things make me feel like I was trapped. Yeah. So those are loveless traits. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to call them loveless languages because I didn't want to be too close to his book. The Five yeah, love yeah. Lang-
0: gotcha,
1: I called it the loveless traits, and I there were seven of them. Words of affirmation. Okay, the opposite. My book is the opposite of love language. Words of affirmation. Now I have words of condemnation. All right. I don't like your stretch marks. Mm-hmm. You know, you got shades on your cottage shoes on your thighs. Your lips are too little. Whatever. Words of condemnation. Love love languages, words of affirmation. I had no affirmations for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So that book is coming out probably August. And matter of fact, Miami, since we did it, uh, since we talked about it on your YouTube page on your IG, whatever one you choose, everyone that interviewed me, I'm going to do a one hour book giveaway on each one of these platforms. Right now, it's 20 of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be giving away books each every day of the week for the next two weeks in August, once my book is published on people to interview me. So they'll call in. Hey, Miami. Uh, my name is so-and-so. So the, the caveat, no, not the caveat, but also what I want people to do when we're on your show and other people interview me is when they call in and request to join, ask a question, three-minute talk, I get your information or you get it. I sign a book and mail it to them. Every, all the books are going to go out the next day. So I'll be giving away probably 20, 30 books a day for two weeks, a couple of hundred books.
0: Oh, wow. That, that's an amazing gift. So thank you so much. I think mm-hmm. we did miss one. Um, or, I, or I'm not sure. One point.
1: So one point, so Broken is volume one Mm -hmm. of my memoir. Mm -hmm. One point out later this year is volume two. Okay. One point goes from age 18 to like 22, 23, my first four years in the Navy. Then you start seeing the narcissistic come out, the traits come out. And I met to this day, I truly believe that he's probably malignant or classic narcissist, but I, didn't, I knew about it back in 87, 88, but I met him in 88. And it was a man that was very, very spooky and sick. And so I talk about him at the end of the book. Because he. even thinking about him now, it makes me sick. He didn't damage me or the sailors, but he damaged the leaders that took care of us. He sent seven people to the psych war. I saw it with my own eyes. So one point comes out later this year is volume two of Broken.
0: Leon, thank you so much for um, opening my eyes to even more of this personality disorder and how um, myself or any other female or male can fall into the trap of um, someone with this type of um, disorder. Um, but also, in understanding that um, the victim in this has to learn to just move on Uh, despite the love, despite all that, you know, you have put into this relationship, not until the person that has this disorder decides. And that's always been the thing for me as on my journey. And when I also coach others, you have to decide to do something different. And when you decided to do something different, which was go to therapy, start uncovering all of this trauma, realizing that this trauma did happen to you to even connect it with this disorder, the the, the disorder that you have to be able to say, Hey, look, I need to do something different in my life. I need to start hurting these women, accept what I've done and move forward. So I'm grateful that you're in this space now that you can say, yeah, this is who I was. Cause I love, (laughs) I love on um, TikTok or, or wherever your information is posted that you always say, Okay, I'm going into character. I love that part because <laughs> I'm like, look at him, this being this master teacher. Um right. so th- I just love that part because you have to the way the awareness and the understanding and the the gift that you're bringing to people to realize, hey, this was this is who I was and who I am somewhere deep down inside. But I know I I challenge myself every day to do something different and to be a better person. Right. And so if more people would do that and, and admit that they have these disorders or admit that there's something wrong or even admit that you know i had childhood trauma because i know that there's men right now who like you said they're strong in their stature they're you know how many of her feet tall or short and they come across as this you know strong person but underneath they're not really sharing what's underneath the surface and that's what's calling, causing these relationship issues and also family uh, a history of family trauma
1: a history yeah before we go my father's father, my grandfather, was a a shower of love, not a speaker. My father and his brothers had cars, food, uh, bills were paid, whatever. He was a pro- uh, protector. My dad was a shower of love. We had clothes, he rescued us, right? We had food, utilities were on, we had cars, whatever. I too became a shower of love, okay? My, my kids had food, clothes. My wife as well, taken care of. My grandfather, my dad, and me. My grandfather never told my dad he loved him. My father never never told me he loved me. They are shores. And guess what? 100 years of that. So my grandfather, say he was 80 when he died. My father was 68. Okay, that's 148 years of not saying I love you. And then here come me. I'm 56 now. At the time, let's say 30. So you're talking about 200 years of not saying I love you. But I'm showing you. So boy, you got school clothes, you, I got your up for football, you got a go-kart, you got a, you got a bicycle, you know, you got you got cable TV. Mm-hmm. Kids nowadays expect dads to do that. Mm-hmm. They also expect dads to say, "You know, what? I love you." Yeah. I wasn't saying, I wasn't saying that. So, 100 years, oh, almost 200 years of not saying that that was passed down from my grandfather. I didn't know how to do it. Until I got married at 30 years old and my wife said, Leon, you haven't said you love me in a long time. I was like, God, dog. Didn't even, M- Miami, didn't even realize I wouldn't tell my wife I loved her. Didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. that generational stuff,
0: deep. Oh, yes, yes, it was. And that was very touching. I I, I really loved, it. I'm, I'm grateful that that came up because that's very, um, oh gosh, what do I wanna say? it's inspiring to share that with others. So other men do go back to recall. How often am I telling my loved one that I do love you? You know, because a lot of times after someone passes or dies, um, after this transition and you're experiencing all of these phases of your loss, you know, you definitely in that middle phase where you wish you could have, would have, should have, you know, um, having that, emotion of why didn't you know i speak up more or tell my loved one that i love them so much more but i'm glad that you brought that to the brief nation listeners that say that more um and realize when you're not saying it, it your wife doesn't need to tell you hey leon um you're not telling me you love me but in your mind because you are doing and you're showing that's your love language but it's the actual what you say the love less, right? right. like <laughs> language. Um, yeah. But, and I think men do kind of confuse that, or women as well, um, that because I'm doing, that's telling you that I'm loving that, but no, um, communication is the key to um, all relationships and partnerships. So um, saying that is definitely imperative um, yeah. to, for, to have, you know, these keys to even work in your life. So what's next for your brand, Inspire?
1: Um, What's next is, Great question. So I developed um, a book writing course that I'm going to launch because Miami. I can teach people how to write a book. Everybody should have a book in their family. Written by Miami. Written by Greg. Written by Leroy. Written by Leon. A book's going to be around for three, four, five hundred years, and your great, great, great gang children say, "Mommy, I don't know, Auntie, I don't know, Grandma Miami had a podcast." I don't know she did this. I don't know she did that. I don't know she helped people with mental health. Wow, that was back in 2022. This is (laughs) 3045 You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that simple.
0: Yeah.
1: So I'm writing a book course. So to teach people how to write a book, it's going to be cheap, maybe $100. It's going to be a five-day course, one hour a day. Yeah. And so people can click on and listen to it. I'll probably call it from book to podcast or from book to TV show. From book to radio show, I've done podcast, I've been on radio show, I've been on TV about my books, so I'm gonna teach people how to do that because it's not hard. I just never wanted to write a book, and then I found out that I can write a book. You can do anything you want to do if you just sit down and say, you know, I'm gonna do it, and you do it. Yeah. That, and so I got a guy working on my turning my book into a my life into a script. So we're trying to get it to maybe possibly a movie like Antoine Fisher movie one day. You know. Yeah. Yeah. so working on that so there's a lot in the works for me right now
0: yeah i can i I was so excited that i was able to even book you because um like i said you you are really going viral (laughs) and i was Mm -hmm. like oh thank you he can open up his schedule for me so i truly appreciate you being on it's the night show brief talk and sharing all of your knowledge and your, your your you know uncovering those deep things that we don't like to talk about, and it's this is right. so important. That's this is why my show was created for to share um, stories of like-minded people, just regular people that wants mm-hmm. to heal you know that's that's my branding mastering spiritual healing and that's something that happens over a lifetime you never get to this particular destination there's no destination because you're constantly evolving into someone new um if you're doing the work the inner work and i'm just grateful that there's a man that can come forward and say i've done the inner work i've done the child you know the inner child healing work and i'm constantly doing it so i'm just grateful for who you are, who you've become and sharing the story of who you were. Um, I also want to know, how can my listeners um, reach out to you if you can give us your social medias?
1: Yeah, my social media, first of all, they can Google me, Leon Robert Walker Jr. Um, I'm on Instagram as Leon R. Walker Jr. I'm on TikTok as Leon R. Walker Jr. My website is LeonRobertWalkerJr.com. I'm on Facebook as Leon Robert Walker Jr. and LinkedIn as well, Um, TikTok, everywhere. So Google me, um, but you know, yeah. Leon Walker Jr. is on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn and Leon Robert Walker Jr. is my website that's been up for a few months now. I'm everywhere.
0: Okay, okay. So before I let you go, share something that you would like to see change or bring further awareness to within the mental wellness community.
1: What I like to see change is that um, people stop thinking that going through therapy is not taboo. Getting mental health doesn't mean that you're crazy. It just means that if you admit to it, you want it, that means you're strong and not weak. Do your research on your parents. My mother, my sister seems to think that my mother was a narcissist, okay? I studied my parents now more than I did in their death and then they were alive. And I learned a lot more about my parents than myself. Think about what you pass down to your children. I pass some things down to my children and it's starting to come out now. But because I'm educated on mental health, I understand how to deal with them, how to understand them, how to listen, and not blow up and just send them to a psychiatrist and and let them pump them full of pills and medicine. No, talk therapy is what helped this old narcissist out. Talk therapy. No pills, there's no medicine for this. It's talk therapy. And it was a little bitty white lady. It could be a Chinese man, a black woman, 6'2", whatever. Talk therapy, get your talk therapy. Talk to your friends, talk to somebody. Don't hold this stuff in. You don't have to be so strong. She gotta be superior and strong every single day. You're killing yourself. You know, you don't have to, uh, just don't be afraid to cry. You know, don't suck it up. Don't man up. There's no such thing as, what is man up? You know, what is sucking it up? You don't hear, you don't see animals Man up, or sucking it up. They live, they hurt, they 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 hunt, they provide, they protect, understand the love languages, understand uh the components of a relationship, and just understand yourself before you try to understand somebody else. Stop finger pointing, stop putting people down, stop hurting people. And people say karma's not real, karma is real. Maybe it's another name for it, but it it it, it comes back at you. When you hurt people be nice be genuine be respectful be loving be caring if you can do your best and keep your spirit and so open because when it's open and you're a good person you get those blessings when you're mean dysfunctional mad rude disrespectful your spirit is closed you're not gonna get any blessings
0: thank you thank you so much once again leon i truly appreciate all of your time all of your knowledge master teacher is what i call you um on this topic and so many others. Um, So we thank you once again for being on It's the Miami Night Show.
1: Thank you for having me, Miami. I appreciate that you have me on.
0: You're welcome. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show, Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude to our special guests for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye.
1: Slow-mo. He's got me walking that grief walk. Going slow-mo. he me talking that grief talk. Going slow-mo. He's got me the lead. It's the
0: it's Miami, Miami Night, Night. Show. Hey,
1: yeah. Slow mo. He's got me walking
0: that grief walk. Going slow mo. He's got me talking that grief talk. Going slow mo. He's got me clocking the When What up, Tribe? It's Miami Night Show. Master hey, grief coach. Yeah. Welcome to the Miami Night Show. He got me walking that grief walk. It's time for grief talk, yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Night Show. Master grief coach. Our master coach. Master hey, yeah.